0: welcome into another edition everyone of this week in hockey here on a tuesday night along with the voice of the blues chris kerber i am alex ferrario and we are back with you tonight for two hours of hockey talk and joe vitale is going to join us a little bit later on he's going to join us in hour number two for a new edition of this week in hockey's Curbs versus Joey and lots to discuss. Of course, we, we found out some information from the NHL last week that we talked about on the show. Uh, hopefully making progress is what it sounds like we're doing right now. Uh, we are going to get a little insight from a couple of different people in the NHL about where things stand right now. But uh, I, I think... Mike Claiborne is going to join the show also, Chris Kerber, and uh, have a lengthy conversation because I think right now, and this is where we sh- I think should open up the show, is uh, is a different time right now in St. Louis. It's a tough time right now in St. Louis and really everywhere in the United States and the world, um, and I think Mike Claiborne is going to try and help shed some light
1: on everything. So bear with me, if you will, for a couple minutes here, Alex. I'm gonna, we're going to talk with Mike Claiborne. He's going to join us for the rest of this hour. One of the reasons that I asked him to come on is uh, Mike is a, a very good friend. And, you know, he and I talk about a lot of things over a lot of times. Sometimes we'll call and we, we won't talk about sports at all. Um, and I, you and I talked earlier today, and I questioned whether or not we should even do the show to be real honest, and it's because I don't want to just sit here, talk about hockey scenarios, and have it be tone-deaf to what's really going on on a night where we saw protests protest turn violent, four cops get shot, one of Mike's very close friends murdered while trying to protect Lee's Pawn Shop, um, a guy that he had known since he was five years old. A lot of thinking over the last uh, few days, obviously, I think, by a lot of people. And, and if you're not, uh, you'd have to question, why not? And and so it just didn't feel like we should just come right out of the chute and just get into sticks and pucks and can't right. wait for hockey to get back kind of thing. So we will talk some hockey w- with Mike Claiborne in the next hour because he is a huge, it is his passion, and he's got an amazing perspective on it. So it's coming. It's not totally devoid of hockey talk. But it's also, it, we're just going to have the conversation that he and I would typically have if we called each other up or we were sitting at the bar or sitting in a living room. And and we're bringing that to the radio tonight. Yeah, and that's why uh, you know that's why we decided to do that in the first hour. I, I sit back, Alex, and, and I just I think right now you you wonder what to say, what can you say, and I've got several things here. One, I I feel I understand why, but I fail to accept why. We have gotten to the point in a society where because of your support of one candidate or another, then everything else in you is defined. Because you uh, believe one thing doesn't mean that you can't have a conversation about another. Um, And even just with with statements by teams, statements by players – The reaction of people is is crazy, and it makes you wonder, like, do we really need all this reaction from people, at least in 180 words or less on Twitter or social media? But I fully support the cops, but I do not support police brutality. Right. Okay? I believe that we have bad apples that are white. I do not believe that everybody that is white is a bad apple. I believe that we have bad apples... Who are black an african-american i do not believe that that's a blanket statement that everyone is a bad apple you know just because of your skin color right and that is the point that we have got to get some people to understand and i'm floored with the amount of reaction that thinks that you can be supportive of good cops that do it right that are there to protect you but be against police brutality And at the same time, you can be for them and demand reform within their own ranks, right? There is no way. I can't look at friends of mine that are police officer and find any inkling of way of defending what that one officer did to George Floyd, but I am not holding that one officer responsible because I know who they are and what they're about for what the bad officer did. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing with every walk here. It's because we see different races and different people, white people, African-American people looting and and, and destroying property. That would have to mean we're all bad, and we know that that's not the case. You saw the video of the one gentleman that took water over to the line of officers yesterday. I don't know if you saw that one or not, and said, I'm not mad at you all. Like There is plenty of good in there. And the only way you get to see that or to get to realize that more is you, we have to quit the, the labeling. It, it comes down to that, and I, I think that's where over the course of today I've gotten to at this point tonight yeah. is, is the labeling, Alex, because I just I don't – it. it's okay to have one belief system but still be willing to listen and learn and grow from another person's perspective, even if theirs is not – of yours. Yeah. And and that's how you learn, and that's how you do get better. And it starts with a conversation, and that's why Mike and I are going to have a conversation on this show tonight. Yeah,
0: 100% agree with you, Curbs, and I really couldn't have said it any better myself. I'll just add this, you know, I'm a lot younger than you, obviously. I haven't been around as long, uh, but I have seen a lot in the time that I've been around in terms of, you know, I can go back to the Trayvon Martin situation to where you know that really sparked a lot of conversations. Of course, the Michael Brown scenario here in St. Louis and Ferguson, um, you know, you you always know that there's 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 bad there's evil in this world and, and you know I always like to, to cite what my grandma used to tell me whenever you you see bad you always try and find good and like you just spoke of the, you know the the people who brought water to the police officers uh, in O'Fallon the police uh, commissioner or the the uh, the police chief in O'Fallon who walked arm in arm with a bunch of peaceful protesters that's the good in the world. The bad in the world is what we're seeing right now with the the looting, the rioting that's taken away from these peaceful protests. And, um, you know, the only thing that you can hope of at this point is that it can spark some type of change. And I think that's what everybody's trying to do. Professional athletes are trying to do. That's what we're trying to do with microphones in front of us is just trying to, to make the conversation a conversation and hopefully spark some type of change. Yeah, but
1: you know what? I, I'm not delusional to think that the conversation you and I are having right now is going to spark change. That's not why I say it. No, of course. Um, I... I say because it just I'm I'm actually while I'm sitting behind the microphone and doing a show and people listen and tune in, just trying to to get through my own head, yeah, all all the different thoughts. I wonder, Alex, a lot. Why was it important that we need to see statements from sports teams? Yeah. Why was it important that we need to see statements from athletes?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't need to see statements from sports teams or athletes right now and then i certainly don't need statements from athletes if it's not where they are ready to give them. Yeah. Just because they are an athlete. And i'm wondering why there are certain people out in the public that are expecting it. You know? I I'm not know saying why, that why we I, don't want it. It's just we're saying that you know it shouldn't be forced. No, the statements i need right now are statements of leadership. Yeah. From the mayor of St. Louis. The St. Louis County executive. The governor of Missouri. That's what I need. And I don't see enough strength in the three of them. I haven't seen one bit of unity combined with all three of them mm-hmm. through the pandemic to this. And and that's where the statements need to come from. You know, I, I think it's I you want as many voices joining the cause and the fight against police brutality and against racism absolutely want it and need it yeah so the more voices you get on that the more voices we get on that the better the more awareness we weigh but then what's the next step the next step is what do we do with that mm-hmm. and and that comes from the true leadership of it uh it it doesn't bother me if a sports team does or does not make a statement it doesn't bother me if an athlete does or does not make a statement yeah it, and and i don't hold it against them if they don't and i'm willing to listen if they do mm-hmm because I know what my last 24 hours about thinking about doing this show. What do I say? And I'm not sure exactly what I've said is right, or wrong. It's, it's 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 true feelings. You know, so uh athletes are athletes. Yeah. They're paid to play a game. I don't know that they're all wired to be the social conscience. So I I pause when people want to hold things against them for when they do not want to make a comment and all. Yeah. And then those that are comfortable enough to do it then th- that, is, that is a fantastic step in the right direction for them, if that is what personally feels right for them. Well, we'll get into it as we continue. Mike Claiborne, Cardinals
0: broadcaster, great friend of both Chris Kerber and myself, he is going to join this week in hockey next, right here on your Home for the Blues 101 at ESPN.
1: this week in hockey. Uh, Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrario uh, on the show with you tonight and uh, we're pleased to be joined by Mike Claiborne. Uh, my, my good buddy Mike Claiborne. I've uh, become a really good friend since uh, my uh, time returning to St. Louis and started in the game of hockey and it kind of went behind that. He and I were the twin powers on defense in a, in a <laughs> twist and chase media game which was uh, the worst example of defending the history of the sport has ever seen. Um, but Hey, Klaibs, uh I, I wanted to bring you on the show today. I, I'm going to be just, well, first off, how are you, buddy? How, how you doing? I know, uh, I, I know, you're, you know it, it's been hard on you this week.
2: Yeah, you know, after that introduction, man, it, it's gotten a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'm surprised you still remember that. You know, I'm really surprised we never got a letter from the National Hockey League asking us to cease and desist. Do you, all do you remember that activity. was a game?
1: Yeah, that was a game that the Hansons were in town. Exactly. Yeah, and and there was a sellout crowd at that at that rink in Chesterfield, oh. and uh, the and the Hansons were in town. They were pulling their hijinks. At one point, I got a great picture with my dad and, and the Hansons too. It's one of my favorite pictures. But at, at one point in time, there's the uh, those guys. One team was trying to catch up. They pushed the goalie out of the way. They skated the net to the corner so the other Hanson could score on it. The, the hijinks was good, but the you and I somehow ended up out on defense. <laughs> Uh, neither one of us very good at skating, uh, and at that point, and, and we're looking out there going, "What, what happened are you doing like, here? What do you? How did how did this happen?" And I can't imagine what those guys on the bench were were saying. You know,
2: you know what, Chris? You know what. It, it, we were, we were okay. You know, we weren't terrible because there were some other guys who I thought were worse. But I think the shock and the sheer terror we looked at, we had in each other's eyes and we looked at each other and realized we were both out there at the same time. <laughs> it was, it was like, what is, what is going on? And then we, I, I think we looked at each other and then we looked around and we realized we really are on the ice together. And it, it was just, it, it was a look of terror because we knew something bad was going to happen. You know, not to mention there may have been a handful of goals that were going to be scored, but one of us could have actually been hurt by running into the other person. But
1: Or we could have hurt one of the guys coming down because we were in a spot we should not have been. Yeah, on the ice. That's the spot we shouldn't have been in. I, I don't Listen, and I don't remember. I don't remember if it was one of the Hansen brothers or honestly if it was just one of the players out there. Okay, but somebody came back. Said, I'm not kidding you. Somebody blew right past me
3: and
2: said, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was one of the great nights. But again, I'm surprised that Gary Batman didn't send a cease and desist letter <laughs> to ask us not to not are, to tarnish the game.
1: Uh, you are doing nothing to advance our
2: game. Please go home. Exactly. Exactly. Please go. You know, on. We'll give you a lifetime pass to not show up. I mean, it was it was something. But you know what, man? We we you know we had so much fun, and and God bless Kelly Chase for putting that thing on. And uh, I played in a couple of those fancy camps, and and it's still one of the great highlights of my life uh, being part of that. So. Uh, man, what a great memory to have on such a challenging time in our lives. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person to talk to than you, my friend. Uh, it's good to visit with you. I'm glad to be part of this. And I wonder what the hell took so long. I've been looking, <laughs> listening to this show since it's been on. And you guys do a great job with it. I'm glad to be Thanks, part of
1: it. I was waiting for the right moment. Listen, uh, full disclosure for, for the fans out there. Um, and I, I don't think this will surprise anyone that knows either you or me. Um, I, I called up Mike. I call I called up Mike. I, I got it I w I wasn't even sure if I wasn't I wasn't sure about doing a radio show tonight, Claves. Um and, and I and I just feel like this is very different than than if I had a regular show. Like if I was one of the guys, if I was the Fast Lane, if I if I was BK and, and you know and Rivers or if you know if I was a Rizzuto show, if I was Randy and Michelle in the mornings, uh, you know, here on one oh one. You know, I, I, I would feel it, it it very differently. I just felt I felt that you know a, a normally scheduled this weekend hockey show. Um, I I don't know. I got to be honest with you, Mike. I, I said this in the opening segment of the show. It, j- it just didn't feel right to me because yeah, I could talk hockey with anybody uh, like we just did. Um, you know, but but I don't want it to come across as tone deaf, and I don't want to seem oblivious to to everything that's going on. And you know me uh, very well. I am. I am anything but oblivious to anything that's going on uh, i I feel anger, I feel pain right now, like a lot of people and um and I just wasn't sure about how to do a hockey show, so i called up I called up Mike and I, and I said, man, you and I always have some great conversations, well you know, what do we do? And you said, man, let's just go on to, let's go on to here and let's just talk
3: yeah,
2: and, and you know I, I think uh, you know with everything that's going on in the world. And while this is supposedly a hockey show, it is—it's really a conversation, and we, we we can certainly talk hockey. But I think that there's there's so much on the board now that's affecting everyone. I mean, you know, just when you thought COVID was affecting everyone, along comes what, what's been going on the last few days. And I, I think it's healthy to converse. Uh, I, you know, I think it's it's important for people to just talk compared to formulate opinions and some of them uninformed or, or they, they don't know how to express themselves and they don't know how to release themselves and, and just be part of what's going on. Because, you know, some people want to just say, I'm not going to turn the TV on, I'm not going to listen or anything like that. But, yeah, you know, just because it, it didn't hit your zip code yet, doesn't mean that they won't and I'm of the belief man we we as a society just have to be better listeners about what's going on around us and find find ways to to you know just be there for each other and just talk and and we we're, we're going to talk some hockey I don't want anybody oh, to yeah. think we're not going to talk hockey because I am as I was telling you earlier I am so excited about what's about to take place in the National Hockey League that uh, i just been rubbing my hands together just waiting. To, I was trying to talk to my girlfriend last night about it and she's kind of looking at me, just kind of nodding her head, you know, <laughs> figuring that this is the best way to get through this with him. But it, So I'm anxious to do that, but I, I just think, man, talking and just listening uh, is, is important. Someone who called me the other day said, what do I tell my my owners and my bosses on how we can get involved? And I said, you know, let people know you want to listen you you want to hear what's going on and if if they say something that may strike a chord that you say you know this is a way I can get more involved but the only way we can do any of this is just being better listeners and obviously there are people who are yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs in the protest saying can somebody listen to what we're dealing with and you know maybe somebody will say I hear you Here's what I want to do to help. And that's a good start. And and I'm so proud of uh, athletes in various sports that are speaking out and saying, hey, I want to get involved in this. And we're seeing professional leagues that now want to get involved. And teams are doing it because they're part of the community, man. I mean, our community. And, Chris, we saw it firsthand in St. Louis last year where the Stanley Cup was not just for people who live in West County or South County or Belleville. Man, it was our cup. It was the entire area. And nobody cared about who you were and what zip code you grew up in because it was ours. And that was the one great thing sports can do is bring everyone together for celebration. And now it's the opportunity to bring everybody together during a time of challenge.
1: All right, without without going into... Too much repetitive stuff of what I said in our opening segment of the show. Here's one of the channels. Well, I mean, I've got I got several different ways I want to go right now, Mike. But um, but I want to start on on the sports side of this. I think one of the things that frustrated me in the last two days on this was um, whether it be tweets from members of the media or different people. Like uh, I think I saw uh, it might have been Mark Saxon. Uh, somebody put out there and and uh, he said so far nothing from the Cardinals. And it really got me thinking. Now, earlier today, a joint statement from the, the Blues and the Cardinals and the One Nation, you know, uh, approach that they have taken to being leaders in this community for, for, uh, uh, for the community, they, they put it out there. And, and, but, but when I saw that tweet, I, I honestly asked first, I'm like, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Like, like, and here's the thing. It's not that a statement doesn't matter or could not be impactful. But but if but if I'm going to be really open and honest we know what that statement is going to say we know what that statement is going to be it can only be one thing right um and and it's not that the statement itself doesn't matter it's that if it's not The actions of the Cardinals and the Blues have been proven in this community to be very community-driven, and they need to continue and will continue in those actions. It's the actions, not the words, I guess. And so it doesn't bother me that I did not see a statement from the Cardinals or the Blues yesterday. It doesn't bother me that I didn't see a statement from players or, or whatever. I don't want athletes to feel obligated to put something out there if they don't want to or they're not ready to just yet. And just because they don't, is not a flashlight into their soul that they don't care or that's not what they're about. And I'm just concerned that in today's got to get immediate reaction approach to everything. And then if you don't react a certain way, then you have to be labeled as such. Yeah. Then, yeah. then that, that there's just really like, it, it's not a no win. It's just, it it's an approach that makes it hard to start the conversation that you and I were just talking about.
2: You know, and I couldn't agree with you more and I'm going to separate those two things here for a second. Um, I I heard from people within the Cardinal organization yesterday, just reaching out and just wanting to talk and saying, Hey, look, man, you know, we're here for you. And, we, we we're trying to get our heads around arms around this thing and and let's work together and, and it was very comforting because they didn't have to do it uh, and and I understand that and so you're right about the fact that we need a statement and here's something else Marco Scandella posted something and I just tweeted out that anyone else and I think someone took it the wrong way because if there are other players and people within the organization. Who have some things to say? I want people to know that you know there are more than there's more than one guy that's doing this, and and I think this person thought I was looking to create an issue, and that was not the point at all. The point actually, was, I wondered
1: I wondered a similar thing. If I'm be, like to be completely mm-hmm. honest, yeah. when when I read your tweet and it said anyone yeah. else, I'm like I thought the same thing. I'm like, I, does that matter right now?
2: Yeah, no, I just wanted to see because I think sometimes guys. You know who want to make a statement and who want to be part of it and sometimes they get overlooked because maybe it doesn't hit on my twitter account like it might be somebody else i just want to make sure people understand that this is every all in and whether you tweet or whether you're socially involved on the media or not doesn't really make a difference i just want to make sure if people who have something they need to say I want to make sure they have the opportunity to share it, and if I could retweet it or whatever, I'm more than happy to. Because the more people see that, more people are engaged in this. I think we all will probably get on the same page a lot sooner.
1: Well, and, so for and that to person that point, who
2: thought anything else, that that wasn't the case.
1: Well, and and to that point, you in this type of situation, you have to you have to caution people, don't read too much into a tweet. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can't hear tone. You can't hear pain. You can't hear empathy when you're reading it, and uh, and, and, and that's a part. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Mike Claiborne joins us on This Week in Hockey. We'll bring you back to uh, This Week in Hockey here in just a moment. Well, we welcome you back into this weekend in hockey. Uh, pleased and proud to have uh, my buddy Mike Claiborne joining us here as we kind of work through not only some hockey talk, but really what's going on. And, uh, Claibs, uh, the role that sports play in our communities is big. And it's interesting to me that as salaries have gotten to where they are, um, as we have gotten older and lost a lot of the innocence that we had as kids, sometimes it's hard for us to relate still to that role model aspect that athletes can play. Do you think that that still exists?
2: It's waning. Uh, you know, there's there's so much that goes into things today. Uh, social media has had such an impact on perception. Um, you know, the relationship. Fans being able to relate to people who make millions and millions of dollars a year. I used to always think about, you know, if a guy made a million dollars a year and a guy who made a hundred grand a year would have to work ten years to get to where this guy's making in one year. Well now you multiply that, you know, the multiples are, are are huge. We you know, we we're kinda losing that that touch with with the athlete in some regards. Now on the other side of that fence, I'm happy to see more athletes more engaged in community activities and charitable things that they can try and find a way to get back with it, whether it's time or money. Uh, so there, there's probably a little bit more of a balance there on that front. Uh, but I still think that there's a lot of uh, resentment uh, from fans because of the fact that players have become Uh, more independent and and less accessible in a lot of regards. And, you know, we in St. Louis are pretty fortunate, Chris, where between the Blues and the Cardinals, our guys are pretty touchy-feely. At least they used to be before COVID rolled into town. (laughs) And and we've been very – they've been very accessible. And and I'm proud of all of them. I'm I'm proud of the organizations and how they have – you know, raise their hand and say, yeah, we want to be part of this community. We we don't want just the season ticket holders. We want people who believe in being together and being part of uh, what the fabric it takes to make a community. So it, it's, it's really a challenging, it's a great question you ask. And I still think we're processing it. And I think we won't really have an answer, a definitive answer, until we get through COVID and certainly the, the current civil unrest that's going on in our country.
1: Do you think it'd be fair to suggest, as as uh, Mike Claiborne and I uh, just have kind of, frankly, a conversation that he and I would have sitting at a bar, we're having it and on the air. Have,
2: you and know? Believe it and, or not, folks, we, we've actually been at a bar once or twice. Sorry. Oh, yeah, several times. exactly <laughs> right.
1: Let me, ask, let me ask you a, a question here. Well, we talked about having a conversation and it being important, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only have a conversation that's impactful if the person if one you listen to the person you know and and not immediately react i i do wonder it's it's interesting before you used to get the news you would get the news and it was whatever was presented to you and maybe there's been some level of bias and all that stuff going on all along but because without the immediacy of social media and stuff maybe we didn't see it all right away right so yeah, I agree. so that 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 could all be part of the the continued process here um I would caution people to have that conversation. Don't have that conversation on social media. Start having the conversation with people you know face-to-face. Um, because, Mike, I don't know how you can express a thought clearly in 180 characters and, and get, get the whole point across. Uh, people seem to be very quick to react with anger, labeling, um, and, and, and just to me, oh, you said this, so well, that means you must support this candidate, which means you must believe mm. this, which means you must believe this, and, and there's no yep. little ground now. Um, I I wonder as a white person, how you approach this topic, right? When sometimes the fears, if you ask certain questions, you could immediately be labeled as racist when you know, it's not the case. Like we have to, we have to stop with the Uh, labeling to be able to have those conversations, I guess. Does that make sense?
2: No, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, my situation is is very unique uh, in my profession. Uh, I'm, I'm a, at a lot of events where I'm the only person that looks like me in the room. And it's given me an incredible opportunity to learn about people who don't look like me. And I've made some great friends in, in the business. Uh, and I've been very fortunate. And I've also learned about people as well. I think I'm one of those who, and I have conversations with people who politically we may disagree on, but we respect each other. To And you said something earlier, listen to the whole thing before you react. I, I think that that's something that we, we've we got to move forward on and say, hey, look, you know, maybe I'm not posing this in the right manner, but I'm trying to just get to the point. What about this, this, and that? Now, if you preface it in that regard, that person of color, or who may be white, and may, we may be flipping the script here, if they are able to listen and understand that maybe you're not putting it in the, the, the proper context for the conversation, but you know where they're trying to go with it, I think you have to give them the initial pass of of wanting to accuse them of something that they actually aren't, and that be it a yeah. racist or, or being a bigot or whatever you want to call it. Because if you know this person, and you've been around, like for you, you and I could have that conversation, okay? Right. And because I know where you are, where you've been, and, and what kind of person you are. I think what we have to do initially is get people who probably don't have that bonded relationship and get them to ask the peripheral questions to be able to work to the middle of being able to to communicate and have a better understanding. And I think that's the problem we have in our society. We have too many people on the outside who aren't sure if they want to cross that street and either, A, be missing, misunderstood and, even worse, being accused of something that they actually aren't. They just don't know another way on how to communicate.
1: Yeah. you. you and, and at the same time, too, you have to be strong enough that you have to understand that there will be people that, no matter what, especially in, in today's climate, Mm-hmm. they're, they're going to label you and you're just going to have to say, well, there are some minds I'm just not going to be able to convince, Absolutely. but that should not deter you from making sure that the message you want to get across is heard when you need it to be heard.
2: Absolutely. Uh, again, man, it just comes down to just trying to be a better listener and, and process it and, and don't be afraid to, to engage in a healthy conversation because at the end, you know, you. Hey, man, I love you. Regardless, we 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 may be disagreeing initially because we're not on the same page, but we're in the same book in the same library, and we'll get there. Is how I try and put it.
1: Right. Now that is. Uh, y- y- you have to be willing to have the com- not only have the conversation, but but also I, I think it's the ones that you you, the, you that you could be more fearful of having the conversation with, right? It's you, yeah. you know, and, and let's even if you take the race part out of it just for this example, okay, and just go something political, right? Like, are you willing to have a conversation about opposing political beliefs with somebody? And, and Mike, right now, I just fear like, I think the worst part about this is not and I'm not even just talking the president of the United States here, okay? I'm talking yeah. I'm talking our own local leadership. Like even through COVID-19, I did not once see a joint press press conference between the Mayor of St. Louis, the county executive, the county executive of St. Charles, three of the biggest
2: areas in the state, and the governor. Not once. And and you know what? Yeah, and I know where you're going with that and I was disappointed because at some point man we have to take these political labels off right and, and understand that we're all in this together and i don't care if you're a republican or a democrat you know you you're representing everyone okay you're not just representing your voting block you're representing everyone now maybe the ones that didn't vote for you it, it, you know it is what it is somebody's going to lose but at the end of the day, you still have to look out for them, too, because they are your citizens. They are your constituents. And I thought it was an embarrassment to our community that we didn't have those four people in a room talking as one and being unified. Because the re- and, then, and I, I think the, the, the classic example is how everybody wanted to just splinter off and make up their own rules in their own communities, which I thought was wrong. We should have been unified from day one. We should have been able to hear from everybody because everybody was representing our community. We didn't get it, and I think that's part of the problem on why we have been in this state of flux so far as far as what should we do and when should we do it and how long should we do it.
1: No doubt about it. Hey, you want to come back for one more segment and let's talk talk about the upcoming NHL plan?
2: Looking forward to
1: it. All right, here we go. We'll come back with Mike Claiborne here in just a moment on 101 ESPN. And, again we bring you back into this weekend in hockey uh, joined by Mike Claiborne here in this hour and again listen my, my thanks to the listeners out there uh, I know some of you may have tuned in to sit there and and, and I, I guarantee you there're gonna be some go what the heck have you guys been talking about this is uh, a hockey show talking hockey. Yeah, yeah you're not you're right. talking hockey look uh, <laughs> none of us in this world live in a bubble and like I said at the outset of the show I wasn't even sure like how do you and I'm just being open and honest how do you do a show like this I, I Sometimes just having the conversation, and I and I learned, Mike. I learned this. My wife's mom passed away in '96. Uh, I was just dating Christy at the time. Uh, the funeral was on the day of a home game for us, so I drove out to Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and uh, and that's why on, at, at Christmas time I end the broadcast the same way. Uh it was it was so similar to the the situation that had happened with my own mom three years ago or three years prior to that. So it was pretty hard. I, I drove back from Pittsfield to Springfield, Massachusetts, about an hour and fifteen minutes, and uh, and my apartment was a two block walk from the arena, and I just broke down in the apartment crying, and uh, and so I called my dad. And I said, I know, "How do I broadcast the game?" He goes, "Man, you just talk. You not your job to talk." I said, "Yeah." He says, "We'll just get on the air and talk." So at the end of that game, I just opened up, you know, my heart a little bit, and 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 it felt it felt great to to do it, and that's why to honor Christie's mom at, at at the game, heading into uh, the Christmas break, every single night I, I kind of go back to the heart and, and talk about it, and that's what led me to to call you up and said, "Man, let let's go on the air and just talk," and I'm glad we did. So if uh, I I I have no apologies to anybody that's frustrated and wants to play the role of well, you, this would be a hockey show, talk hockey. Well, before <laughs> we can talk hockey, we're people first, and uh, and that's one of the things uh, I love about the friends I've got uh, that because we are people first, and we try to understand as much as we can about about everybody and be there for them, and and I and I appreciate you, Mike, for joining me and helping me through doing that, man. It, it, it just that's. I think that's part of what we have to do. We work in sports, but uh, we're, there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there?
2: It, it really is. Um, the, the friendships that we have and, and, and watching our kids grow up and, and the laughs that we've had and, and just being there for all the good times, I, I think true friends are the ones that are around you when they are challenging times. And I couldn't think of a better person I, I, I would want to talk to uh, during these times, but I don't see you enough. I listen to you uh, as much as I can. And as you well know, when, when you guys come to Florida, when the blues come to Florida, uh, I'm, I'm already there for spring training. And it's the one day on the calendar. I always yep. circle because I'm going to hang out with you. We're going to do three periods of hockey. And I think we're undefeated since we've had a chance to do a couple <laughs> of those. And uh, it's just really a highlight for me, man. And to, to be part of what you're doing and to watch you ascend and, the things that you've done community wise and the example you set for, for not only young broadcasters, but, uh, as a, as a father and as a husband and the, and the dedication you've shown as being a friend, man, um, I'm blessed to have you in my life for sure. Well, I think people should
1: know this too. A couple of years ago when you, you took the mic and you did some play by play for one of those Florida games for a lifelong blues fan. And that is your die-hard passion is it a is. blues fan. Fans need to know that for it, it, for you, as you know, it, it meant a, a ton. Not just as a fan, though, to be able to do part of that play-by-play, you know. But but, but as an African American to do it, you talked about it with me about yeah. about that moment.
2: I, you know, I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to go back a few years. It was my birthday, and Blues are playing that night, and I was sitting in the booth like I normally do, and he said, "Hey, why don't you do a second period with me?" We couldn't find the other guy. He was somewhere, you know, schmoozing or whatever. But anyway, I did that, period. And a friend of mine who lives in New York who who listens to blues games, um, he called me that next day. He said, you know, I think you might have done something last night. I said, what did I do? He said, well, you did a hockey game. He said, I don't know any African-American that's done a National Hockey League game. And I started to think, and I said, well, I think Bill White might have done something. And so – He's one of these uh, broadcast historians. He loves doing that stuff. Yeah. And he said, no, nah, I think you might be it. And then I started to think about what a what a heck of a gesture, what a heck of a birthday. And then we fast forward to Florida a couple of times, and we worked with the great Steve Ott, which was one of the That's most right. fun times I've ever had. And then <laughs> last year it was with Joey. And we had and like I said, I think we're 2-0 and oh when we've done them. And it's just a real treat. But, yeah, as an African-American, man, it, it meant a lot uh for me and uh i'm it's one of the cherished moments of my life uh truly um you know in this year when the all-star game was in st louis i had a chance to spend some time with gary bettman and i've known the commissioner since his days in the nba and he brought it up to me he said it's my understanding you've done some some games and i said how'd you know he said well you know i'm the commissioner you know some things you know <laughs> and, and i just kind of looked at him and he said, "I'm so proud of you, and I'm so happy for you, and I'm so appreciative of your contribution to this great sport." And I'm just looking at him, man, and I don't know whether to hug him or start crying or or what, because I was, and I flew back in just for that event. I was in spring training, and I said, "I got, I, I have to be part of this." And they were honoring Willie O'Ree, and there were some other things, but for him to say that to me, and it, it's all because of you, and just saying, "Hey, man, put put the headsets on, let's have some fun." So. Uh it, it's truly a high water mark for me and I don't want to get too emotional about it because when I start to explain it to people the next thing you know I I'm, I'm almost dehydrated as far as uh crying and stuff so I don't want to do that right now but I appreciate everything you've meant to me. What what do
1: you think about uh what the National Hockey League is about to do if 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 everything continues to go well and they're able to get things going? And, uh, you know, even if it does happen in hub cities where they have managed to come up with a plan and and there's still some other hurdles to cross on how to get the season started again and award a Stanley Cup for the 2019-2020 season.
2: Well, I I think it's ingenious in how they've tried to set it up where, uh, first of all, the teams who played the best are rewarded with the buy and the opportunity to get get their skills sharpened before they take on somebody. I think that's an ingenious way to do it. Compared to starting this thing where one's facing 16, and all of a sudden you get a, 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 an apple cart that gets upset for all the wrong reasons, I, I also appreciate the fact that they're going to give these guys ample time to get themselves ready. You know, it, this is different than being able to keep shooting baskets in the in the driveway or you hit in the cage in your basement or somewhere. You know, when you don't have a sheet of ice to skate on, and, and, and I don't know if I want to consider myself an expert. Well, I can speak on behalf of both you and myself, Chris. We're not experts <laughs> on skating, but we do know that there are some things that you have to be able to do with some consistency. This is unlike an off season where guys can go somewhere and skate, and they, they do it a little bit. Well, you know, very few guys have had a chance to do this because there haven't been any rinks open that they could do this with some consistency. So I'm excited about the fact that we're going to have guys that are all going to start from scratch. We're also going to see everybody who's healthy. And, you know, obviously locally with Tarasenko, who should be ready to go, there are other teams that are going to get some guys back also. So nobody's going to have an excuse. But here's where I think the big key is. If you have organizational depth, then you're going to step closer to the front of the class. And I think the blues in certain positions have had a chance to get a look at some of their defensemen. We've seen Clem Costin. We've seen some other guys from the minors that we know can step in and contribute. Uh, and I think you're going to need all hands on deck. I think we saw it last year in the playoffs where we had to bring up some guys and throw some guys in the fire and they accounted for themselves reasonably well. I think we're going to see this again, because you have to be careful of not overtaxing a guy who hasn't been out there long. And as coaches, you don't have a lot of time to fool around and see if a guy's playing well back-to-back games. I mean, you know, you have to get a guy that you feel is going to have to be a good matchup. And this is what I loved about uh, Craig Berube, because he kind of adjusted during the course of his coaching tenure of making sure he juggles a little bit more, uh, not necessarily in-game, lines but making sure he puts certain guys in and takes certain guys out of the lineup you know at first chris he was just going to stay with the same guys same guys and it wasn't working but in this sprint that we're going to be involved in you better have a real finger on the pulse of your hockey club because if you don't you'll be watching the rest of the playoffs on tv it's going to happen like that and you cannot afford to try and let a guy play himself into it and hope that he's going to be able to turn it around
1: I believe these players, in the time allowed, will get back to some pretty doggone good skill level. I believe mm-hmm. that will increase as the tournament goes on. Having said that, because of the health, because of the rest, because Nathan McKinnon was able to get healthy, because Vladimir mm-hmm. Tarasenko was able to get healthy, because Seth Jones and almost two-thirds of the Columbus Blue Jackets, for lack of a better <laughs> way to of it, were able to get healthy. I really do believe, Mike, that this could be the and, – and then not only that situation, but then the potential mental situation of being sequestered into a city for up to two months possibly, however long this takes, month and a half, whatever it is, I do yeah. believe that this could end up being the hardest Stanley Cup to win of them all.
2: I agree with you. And, and I think just for what you just said, the isolation and the – and let's face it, hockey players are creatures that happen, Okay. I mean, they do the same thing every day. And part of that is being at home and being with family and doing the things that we we take for granted that they won't have access to. And I think the mental toll it's going to take, when they engrave the champion's name on this thing this year, you better hit that hammer just a little harder to make sure that everyone can distinguish how important these Stanley Cup champions are going to be because they're going to do something that nobody else has done. Uh, They're going to do something that's going to create the mental challenge and the physical challenge like we've never seen before. And they're going to set the precedent for how this game may look in the future Um, from a playoff standpoint, from an approach standpoint, because, you know, you can go back and look at video and say, well, they like to do this, this and this. Well, I got news for you. They may they may have liked to have done that at one point, but with this guy healthy and this guy healthy and everybody starting from scratch, they may change their approach about certain things. And, man, if you don't have a finger on the pulse, as I said earlier, you're going to watch this thing on TV. It's
1: going to be pretty amazing to watch, isn't it? Hey, let me, let me well, I should say though. it's going to be pretty amazing to listen to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just familiarizing Just... yourself with the rules will be a good challenge for a lot of guys. It's been so long, but let me ask you, what element of the game do you think is going to be the most challenging as far as trying to get back in sync? Is it goaltending? Is it defense? I mean, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge? Because I I think every element of the game is going to be magnified even more along with this. I think you got to be careful not to overcoach.
1: I think it's going to be cohesiveness. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be cohesiveness. And honestly, even with the depth, if, If some of these if the players on whatever one of these twenty four teams didn't take some of this time seriously to keep themselves in shape, they just hurt their chance to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and and not even man, not even that so much as just that like that that you because you're not gonna have you don't have training camp plus then six months of hockey to get yourself into that kind of shape. You've got to be in winning shape right off the bat. And the teams that had more players that did that are the ones that are going to have a better chance. And it may not be the all-around best team, but it's going to be the team that – in the end, the team that wins this Stanley Cup may not be the best team, but it may just end up being the team that handled all of this situation the best way.
2: And that's why I give the Blues – and I'm not being a homer here – that's why I give the Blues the inside track. And I know the odds makers seem to think there's a half a dozen other teams that are better – but I think the way the Blues dealt with postseason last year, whether it was the hand goal and, and a couple of injuries and then winning this thing on the road in a hostile environment in Boston against a really good hockey club, I think that they have they have the the foundation to know what it takes to fight through to some things. And the way they make each other accountable, and Chris, you're around them a lot more than me, But I don't see guys getting off the wagon too far without somebody reeling them in. And it could be Steen, it could be Petrangelo, it could be Ryan O'Reilly, it could be anybody on this club. But I love the way players make each other accountable. And if they get out of hand, we've always got Craig Berube. And I don't know, there's not a guy on this team. I I was telling Otter this. Uh, I said, between you, Berube, and Van Ryan, You guys have more combined penalty minutes than the whole team we currently have combined career-wise, all right? Yep. So nobody's going to buck that system. But I really think that in this situation, the Blues' true recent experience is going to give them an X factor that no one else can really say that they actually have. And I think that's why I would make them the the odds-on favorite. Now, you know, they could hit a bump in the road. I mean, somebody could jump up and bite them or somebody could go down with an injury. But I think from what we saw, how things ended, if they can start off the way they ended, I think it's going to be pretty hard for somebody to win the Stanley Cup from the St. Louis Blues.
1: Klabes, great talking with you, bud. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining me for tonight on the show. And, uh, you know, let's let's just keep the conversation going and doing what we can do in our community to make sure that people not only feel that they have a voice, but then also know what to do with that voice. I right
2: to visit with you and i would say to all all of our listeners hey just be a better listener that's a good start on how we can get things fixed around here and if we can do that then the next step will be we'll get some problems solved and uh, more importantly we'll have another parade that hopefully i'll be able to come to
1: curbs versus joey that segment where we find out how alex is going to mess us up that's coming up next as we open up hour number two of This Week in Hockey. Next, that was Mike Claiborne joining us uh, with a great perspective on sports and the world right now. In the first week of this week, uh, first hour of This Week in Hockey, hour number two coming your way next on 101 ESPN.
0: Welcome back, in, everybody, to another edition of This Week in Hockey here on a Tuesday night, along with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario back with you. For
1: another edition of I Just Like Putting Myself Through Pain. Can <laughs> I name the name of it. Can I name the show this week? Uh, no, that, that doesn't work. Joe, I, I don't think I Like Putting Myself Through Pain was what we called this, was it?
0: No, it definitely wasn't that. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't that. I think I remember what it was because I have it written down. Okay, well, what was it? Alex's... A moron for another week, I believe, is what it was called, (laughs) which I thought it was something about he can't he doesn't think that 18 inches. Guys, you got to put the whole thing in. (laughs) Guys, can I address that? Because so I left. Wait, 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 what is the actual name of the show? It was, I, I swear, I wrote down Alex is still a moron for another week. Because? Because he doesn't know how many Because he thought feet that 18 in inches, inches was three yeah. feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the whole name. So okay. I, le- it. I left the show Tuesday night. And for anybody listening, you can go back and listen to the podcast on 101ESPN.com. I left the show Tuesday night, and my dad always listens live. Uh oh. So I call him up and I said, Do you hear? He goes, Yeah, I heard. And usually, if he doesn't respond after I say, Do you hear with, like, Oh, yeah, I thought it was a great show, I'm like, Uh oh, he didn't like something. He goes, how the hell did you go through high school and college, get your master's degree, and not know what eighteen inches was? <laughs> Jesus. I said Dad, I apologize for uh, embarrassing the Ferrario name, um, and I understand if you never want to talk to me again. Uh... But it didn't get there. But long story short, we're back for another edition of Alex is still a moron. Here's the difference, though, fellas. I have a notebook. I have it written out so that I don't mess this score up. You guys can't get into my head, and I think we got a fun game this Ed week. It only
1: took it only took him like seven weeks to do that, <laughs> well, Joe. I know. I tell and you, then, what, at least you're
0: getting organized. But listen, curve can still get in your head, Alex, regardless of how many true. papers and pens and different colors it's you have. True.
1: It's okay, true. listen, Joe. Before we do this again, um, I I would like it in honor of Alex's dad to at least pre-game here throw out a potential. Post game name. So the way it works, folks, is uh, Joe is kicking my butt for quite a while there. Um, I'm trying to get back in and even, and I'm, I'm back within two, I think, of them. Yeah, it's five three. All right, so, uh, uh, so the the winner gets to name it. Well, the last two weeks we've ganged up on Alex a little bit, but Alex has earned it. So it's true. Um, I, I think I think Joe. One of the names we should consider, no matter who wins this week, is we are sorry, Mister Ferraro, We are doing our best with him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or maybe we're sorry, Mr. Ferrario, all your tuition money went to nothing. <laughs> okay. Like all right, that. well, That's look a in, better one. All right, we'll yeah. look at both of those. All right, Alex, what's the I game? hope all my all my maters are listening to this one right now. So this week, and this was a great article that came out, they ranked the thirty-one goal songs from each team in the NHL. So after they score the goal, we all know the blues is, you know, the blues go marching in, or most recently it's the uh the urge song, I believe, that puts it together. So I'm gonna play A team's goal song, and you're going to guess the team. Love it. All right. All right. I mean, you guys are in these stadiums. You hear goals. It's not like you shouldn't know what these are, right? Oh, I I think I
1: could probably go 0 for 30 on this, (laughs) Joe.
0: I I, I I honestly I'm gonna go one for thirty. I know I know the Chicago. Yeah, I know Chicago. Well,
1: well, I can go two. I can go two for thirty. I know the Blues. Are you doing the Blues? If you no, the blues on I'm not anywhere, putting we're kicking bl- you out. I'm not putting the okay. Blues or the Blackhawks on here because we already
0: know what those are, and we're not doing all thirty. Because normally of them.
1: that's what you would do. Normally you would say, okay, Joe, you're ready, and then you play the Blackhawks.
0: Ferrario's not a moron on this yeah, one, right. fellas. <laughs> all right. So the first one. So last week was a wash because you both frustrated the hell out of me. So we're gonna start with Curbs who won two weeks ago. Here is your first one, Chris Kerber. Give it some time. Uh, Florida. No. Damn, San Jose. Good guess. Good guess. I was going to do a Beach Town, too. I wouldn't have done that. Kern Craft
1: 400 was the song called. Okay, do you want me? do you want me to keep score here, too, Alex, no, just to make I, no, sure? No, I got my you're, pizza. You're, you're telling me you can talk, push buttons, play music, and keep score? You're darn right I can wow, push been... buttons.
0: You, you got some sleep this you're, week, huh? You're darn right. You're darn tooting. All right, Joe. You, you, hey,
1: you have waited for this moment, have, haven't you? I yeah. have. I just want to <laughs> rub it in one week, one week of trying to redeem yourself. One week <laughs> of just no Chris Kerber coming hey, after me. Hey, oh, next Joe's week. coming next, after you, too. Hey,
0: next week he's showing up with an intern just for this segment to do the score. <laughs> my dad asked that too. He goes, Do you want me to keep score for you? You yes. can call me. <laughs> yes, Mr. Ferrario, please
1: keep score for us.
0: Alright, Joe, here is yours for round number one.
1: It says their name in it. What are you doing? The Vegas? Oh my god. Really? I couldn't oh, hear no. I couldn't hear what it says. Play that again. play
0: Oh, Star- oh, it's the Dallas Stars, yeah. Hey, you still got you it wrong. S-
1: you so- <laughs> okay, yeah, that is true. He still got it right. Wrong. Uh, let's but be honest here. But you just here. played a goal song with the, the team name being said in a tape. <laughs> and you know wondered, like,
0: Curbs, if the cards drop in your direction, you would have had that. You could have been up by one.
1: I would have actually felt like it was totally unfair for Joe if I had had that one. Sometimes yeah, that's I –
0: couldn't, I couldn't hear what they said until you played it That's
1: Yeah, that's actually pretty Okay, good. that's pretty funny, Joe. But Joe, that's I like uh, Joe, but, uh, you know, what? i'm still gonna pick on alex for that i'm yeah, leaving you alone we are.
0: all right here we you, go you guys you guys could rename the show after that that idiotic spoof of mine right there <laughs> all right here we go round two you ready curbs yeah of course you are <laughs> Kington, Colorado, damn. Mmm, was a tough one. Vibroc, which makes no sense. Did to you know me. that one, Joe? I did not. No, I was lost. Okay. I would have yeah. said Carolina. Ah.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Here Joe's we go. turn. Round Joe, two. I'm keeping track for you. Dallas Stars. <laughs> Sorry,
3: Joe. <laughs>
0: kind of sounds like an old building, something in the Nassau Coliseum, the, the Islanders. Do you know, Kerbs? Uh, I don't. It's Vegas. And if you listen, oh, they were really? saying, go Vegas, go in the background. See, See I, it, I it's all it, muffled. I yeah, can't that, you hear. can't really tell other than the Dallas uh, one, which okay, Kerbs so, wants to. So round three, we're zero, zero. <laughs> Round three, we're zero, zero. Okay. <laughs> Sooner or later, you guys are going to get the, something.
1: <laughs> what was it, the 90-something All-Star game? Yeah, probably. All right, here we go. Bud Selig? Chris Kerber. Round three, score is zero zero. In case
0: you're keeping track at home, ladies and gentlemen.
1: heim damn it, it sounded mm. like an empty building It's on a quiet yeah you're, you're, <laughs> you know you're that, smart i honest to god that's why i was thinking that technically it,
0: <laughs> was, yep, it an sounded empty like building. there were echoes in there technically it was an empty building
1: all right you, you know what like in all honesty like, like keep this in mind here okay mm-hmm. like the moment the other team scores a goal we're still talking like we don't I necessarily know. hear these songs right right
0: well, and that's why I played him out a little bit, because after the horn is when the song starts, and that's usually the part that either one, Curbs or Joey, is talking. All right, rather round than three,
1: All right, Joe, zero, Joe's zero in the score. Yep,
0: round three. All right, Joe, you ready? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Man, that kinda sounds grungy. Is it Vancouver? No, it's the Devils. But doesn't it sound like they're Uh, saying New York? It does. No. Maybe Go Devils? I don't I don't know on that one. That one was
1: weird. Okay. So round four. Still nothing. Hey, have any of our guesses even been within the right time zone? Uh, just, yeah, yeah, the San Jose one, didn't you? No, I said Florida. Oh, you okay. No, you said <laughs> Florida. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and there's Alex's moment of yeah. the game. Hey, San Jose, wasn't it? That... No, 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 that'd be Pacific time zone, Florida's well, in I the fr- East. I forgot, to be honest, I nope. just don't listen when you guess, yeah. so. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we, we, there we go, Joe, we got to him. Not yet, no. I'm keeping score correctly. We got him. It's 0-0, zero, zero. it's round four. Here we go. Can you name all the time zones? No. Yeah. No. Try it. Pacific. Okay, so you're going to go west-east. Yeah, that's yeah. okay? Mountain. Okay.
0: Central. Yeah. East.
1: And then? Oh, there's another one?
0: Oh, yeah. Canadian. <laughs> Jesus, geez. Mountain. No, I Canadian. Mountain. Canadian. Canadian time yeah, that's zone? That's
1: it. Yeah. That's it. We got it. It's good enough. We that's got it. Canadian.
0: See, I need to learn not to answer questions from Curbs when he asks questions. I'm the questions here. <laughs> Come on, guys.
1: <laughs> where are you? We're in the Canadian
0: time zone. <laughs> We're in the Canadian. It's close <laughs> enough, right? All right, here we go. Curbs, your next one. This is old school.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: By the way, there's two teams that use this. That's why it sounds so familiar. I've heard this. So I'll accept either. Wait, so he gets a question where he- the, the the percentage to get it right is higher than mine? It's and still gets, not a high percentage. Have, <laughs>
1: okay, uh, mark that part right there, we'll have to it's make a, a quick edit. Get on that one. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> this game's gotten him using coarse
1: language. Um... Okay. I am going to go with uh i'm gonna say since it's a little old school and not a lot of creativity i'm gonna go with ottawa nope dang wasn't either of them joe do you have a guess you, Listen, you can't steal i'm just curious
0: i was thinking i was thinking rangers no nope. minnesota wild and the new york islanders <sighs> which oh, the, islanders. The, 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 the wild use huh? the wild use it which i thought i Jeez. didn't know the islanders right, use it too we on here? so we're round four so that was curbs okay. joe this right. is your shot here buddy okay ready I'm ready. I think this is a terrible song, but it's got to be a it's got to be a coast it's got to be a coast team. I'm gonna say. Um, uh, the Florida Panthers. Nope, Winnipeg Jets. What? Yeah. Didn't you guys ever hear the goal? And you spent the series there. We are talking when the other team. That one is going of you on. is talking. The other one should be listening. We're listening to you, each other. Usually, That's... curves is. I'll oh, finish it and start writing, and then I'll like start talking, yeah. mumbling well, something. When the season and... when the season starts back up, now you guys will pay attention. All right, next All right, Round one. five, round still five, zero zero. This is a riveting game, a of game. Alex is still that a Dallas moron. Stars
1: one proves to be a pretty big miss here because that should have been a simple one nothing game for you. But you know what? Yeah. To
0: my defense, to my defense, if you didn't say the Stars, I don't think I could have. I still don't yeah. think I could have made it out. It was pretty muffled unless you're listening to it. All right, here Alex we go. Did a, Alex did a great job muffling that. Oh my part, God! Did curbs. he just say Alex did a great job? Don't let he it did go. did, he did, did you hear that? Job. Let's go. Okay, here we go. Round five. they've used this for six years
1: you know the only place we've gone into where they just they always have a very very driving beat and bass is i'm gonna say la no it's detroit Damn. Which uh, they use this in the Joe Lewis Arena, which I don't remember that. I thought they used a different one in the Joe oh, Lewis. At a one in thirty chance. All well, right, one in twenty-nine because we knew it's not Chicago or St. Louis. All right, next one, Joe.
0: You can either win it or it goes to sudden death and i can't wait for how sudden how long death. how long is this segment we could we could be here yeah, for a while yeah, this at, going for a while. 14 minutes already but you know what okay. Con- content drives you know guys content drives <laughs> all right here we go final one joe here it here it is for you
1: Oh yeah Okay, that blows. That absolutely do you wanna talk about getting rigged right there? That's a joke. That's a flat out joke, Alex. that's Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. wow uh, i don't know how this you happened you don't save that you don't save that for the uh for the ding <laughs> i don't know how this happened you play the other junk <laughs> you did and then you played that oh, there oh, guys the
0: cards beauty. fell in the in the face beauty. of, of, of <laughs> oh, the God. former team of all joe right, that's that's batali all right that's, that's another victory okay.
1: these games these games just lost any kind of integrity
0: Hey, hey! As as Craig Barubi Joe, as Craig Baruby would say, and you know it. If you don't like it, play better. Listen, right? Listen, I'm I'm gonna tell you what's going on here, Kerbs. That
1: that's a rig job. That's an absolute rig job.
0: Kerbs, you you have to learn a lesson here. Uh, This is gonna be the student teaching the teacher, something. You got to take care of the people that take care of you. Alex gives these questions and if you're going to push him around, he's going to he's going to rig it so I win these these matches.
1: Weren't weren't you weren't you the one that named the the first show that Alex sucks? <laughs> or, or Al, you're yeah, but I you're, think you're, you're a little harsher. Sure. Well, that actually, is yeah, unbelievably. I'm that just, that hey, is that's brutal. Hey, that's cards, so brutal. It ain't even funny. <laughs> the cards fell. That here's what the tying no, no, one no, was. No no, 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 no. There's no cards. That's rigged. No, there were the cards. There's No cards. There's no. <laughs> I, if there were cards, you would have randomly picked them. And that was not a random pick. I randomly picked ten names. No, yeah, that's and they just what labeled a that flat-out joke. If you, a great seen, game. if you could have this seen, if you could have seen the route. smile on his face, curbs, as he's oh,
0: hitting that man. curbs. If you wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have gotten in my head last week in the wash, you would have gone second, and that would have been your guess. So,
1: so what you are, what you are trying to say with that smile on your face to a poker player was you had, oh, that's awful. <laughs> well, and this t- week t- and game is over. Well, this week Joe Vitale comes All right, out Joe, victorious. You get to name it.
0: Joe, if oh, you would like to name it properly, I'm going to name it. I'm going to name it. Um, Alex is a great host with amazing questions moving that's, forward.
1: That's phenomenal. We are. It's we are. The, the series is officially nixed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> we, we cannot. We, oh, we no. cannot. You can't we can, yeah, we you cannot. Yeah, we cannot. I will not. I will not play a rigged game. <laughs> you can't nix the series. Well, then you. you then you. You, you have. Next. You have to show. You have to show integrity next week. What you just did was complete utter lack of intake and you knew it going in. You, you should have seen the look on his face, Joe. We're... Oh, I
0: wish I cut off. We are going to collect our face.
1: thoughts and come back with more
0: on this weekend hockey here on 101 ESPN. Welcome back into This Week in Hockey. Alex Ferrario and Chris Kerber with you here on a Tuesday night. Don't forget, plenty more hockey content coming your way this weekend. It'll be Thursday and Friday night, the final week of Play Gloria as we have taken you through the regular season, through the playoffs, up to the moment that the Blues win the Stanley Cup. Thursday night is game number five between the Blues and Bruins, and then Friday night is game seven of the Blues and Bruins when the Blues won the Stanley Cup. Now, of course, seven o'clock, you'll hear the actual game broadcast with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale, and we'll have our pregame show starting at six o'clock with plenty of insight and look backs at some moments, some behind the scenes information, post game reaction, and you'll hear from the head coach, Craig Berube. But you'll also hear and get some perspective from Darren Pang and John Kelly. So first things first, let's get a little perspective on game number five, a big game for Jordan Bennington from Darren Pang.
4: No question about it. I thought it was. I thought it was his most dominating uh, period. Um, he was under siege. There's no question. It was There was just such great opportunities on both sides of it. Um, there was a couple of saves that, that Jordan makes that uh, they were flat out superlative. That's just the bottom line. There's, there's saves that you make when you're a goaltender that you, you must make. And then there's others when you can sprinkle in um, something like you know, what, what he did early on in that period, it was, it was phenomenal. It you know, kind of led me at that point, um, even though he was losing games lopsided, that was the most important period, Game 5 in Boston. And that's where he showed for me. He put himself right back into the Con Smythe Trophy talk right there, um, overshadowed by some great plays from, from Ryan O'Reilly. But uh, there's no question that if you don't get that kind of goaltending on the road, uh, you know, in, in what everybody says, Game 5 is the most critical game. Uh, on your way to a Stanley Cup win and, and certainly Jordan Binnington was was unbelievable there but uh, I thought the pace of the the game I thought the uh, the opportunities the physicality I, I I just thought it was just a phenomenal first period
1: uh, Panger there's some kind of Roster factors of Game Five that were fascinating, and of course, the Blues had Barbashev and Sunquist, you know, uh, back in, in the lineup, ready to go. Those guys were hitting. I mean, uh, 17 of 29 Blues hits through two periods of play were pasted onto the Boston defensemen. But after Game Four, after the St. Louis Blues beat the Bruins in St. Louis, four to two on Game Four, let's face it, it was another close game until Shen scored that empty netter in Game Four, but. Cassidy decides to scratch David Backus. He moves Danton Heinen up with Krejci and DeBrusk. He moves Achari up with Coyle and Nordstrom. And because of the injury to Zidane Chara, and then Grizzlick who they thought might be able to get back in there was unable to return, they end up dressing seven defensemen in this game. And mm-hmm. Do you think that that played a role in some of how this game ended up working out?
4: Well, yeah, because I think they were getting an awful lot from, from their fourth line. I think, uh, you know, David you know, he's still a physical guy and he can still plow up and down the boards. But I don't think they had much of a choice in this decision. With When, when your captain, Chara, says, I'm playing, well, you got to protect the house. I mean, if he goes down early uh, or can't finish, I mean, you're stuck with five. With the way that the Blues were, I mean, just... I mean, six defensemen after him. With the way that the Blues just put pressure on him. And I, I, the third pairing of, of the Bruins, not, not very big either. So I, I just think that he was... Maybe ultimately it would have been better off for the Bruins for Char not to play and and still maintain that you know the four line game and the right. six defensemen. But you know it's hard to hey it's hard to tell your captain hey bud you're not going to play this uh, incredible game five. And when he did you know when he did sit on that bench when he did come out on the ice it was it was it was pretty um, it was pretty incredible the emotions that were going through the building. But I've seen it a million times, Curbs, that you know a great leader steps out there and does that and he thinks he's doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't end up being right for the team. But, uh, again, Boston came out with their best in the first period like they wanted to. They were denied. They got good goaltending. Um, uh, boy, oh, boy. I, 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 remember Krejci? Didn't he make an unbelievable save in that first period? Yes. I, yep. He did. Uh, Petro had a wide-open net. Right. And Krejci came sliding over, so everybody was laying everything on the line, which uh, phenomenal drama.
5: All right,
0: uh, that- and then of course Friday night game seven, the night that the Blues won the Stanley Cup, and a night that John Kelly, I'm sure, has been waiting a long time for. Here's J.K.'s perspective, a little chunk of what you'll hear Friday night on Play Gloria.
3: Well, Chris, really a couple of things. Uh, you know, number one, I've I've told you this before, and, and I've I've mentioned it many times on radio and TV that I don't really compare it because for the Blues to win a Stanley Cup to me was everything. Not to say that when I was broadcasting in Colorado, that it wasn't a big deal. It was. It was a thrill of a lifetime, especially in 96 when the Avalanche won in Florida. My wife, Jennifer, was there. We flew home on the, on the charter with the cup and things like that. But this meant so much more because of, of my family and uh, the history our family has in St. Louis, and we love the city and, and the Blues fans. So it meant so much more. And, and quite honestly, Chris, the other two times that I had watched my team win in Colorado, we never got on the ice. Um, I wasn't doing reporting on the ice. So this was special for me to go on the ice, along with uh, Darren Pang and Andy Strickland went out there and interview the players. And, uh, you know, I talked to Tom Stillman and, and Baruby and some of the parents. It was, it was one of the greatest thrills I've had as a broadcaster um, because obviously we're not players, we're not coaches, um, but we can just sense in the eyes of the players and the and the families and the owners and everybody what it meant, and you just really can't put it in words. But to be out on the ice, Chris, and I know you came down after your duties were done with uh, with Joey on on the radio side. It was it was just you can't really put it in words what that moment was like. And actually, after I was done working. Um, I, I FaceTime my family, and, and so they got a sense of what it was like down on the ice. But it was – and, you know, the other thing, the one final comment about it, Chris, there were so many Blues fans that that made their way down to the glass and behind the Blues bench, yeah. and they were chanting, and they were singing, and they were crying, and I'm talking hundreds of fans. And, and that really stuck out to me that, that they all made it down to celebrate their team's first Stanley Cup.
0: Once again, that's John Kelly. You'll hear the pregame coverage of our play gloria the blues run to the cup on thursday and friday night starting at six o'clock with puck drop of the actual game starting at seven and again game five on thursday night game seven on friday night we're going to take a quick break we'll come back with more tonight on this week in hockey here on 101 espn <laughs> Winding things down tonight here on this week in hockey, along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario, hanging out here until eight o'clock this evening. Don't forget, we have the Boardwalk Hardwood Floor behind the bench show tomorrow night. Chris Kerber will have that for you from six to seven o'clock. Then Thursday and Friday night, it's Play Gloria, as you just heard, kind of setting you up for this weekend. Darren Pang, John Kelly, giving their perspective from those final two games. Uh, Kerbs, we're gonna have to come up with more, I guess, uh, another
1: set of Play Gloria idea for. The we'll next. Come up, listen, we'll, we'll come up with something. We're going to get closer and closer. I think yeah. starting next week, we ought to start getting into what some of these play in matchups. Yeah. The four matchups in the East, the four matchups in the West could be. Hey, when was the last time? So you have a work email here, right? Mm-hmm. At, at 101 ESPN. Okay. And then you have a personal email? Yeah. Okay. Is it Gmail? Is it AOL? Gmail's my is, is personal one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have a. Do you have like a bills email or like, so, you know, most bills are done online now or instead of getting them in the mail. Do you have them sent to your regular email? How do you do that? So
0: I still old fashioned style it. I go paper. I get the paper bills that come to me because I want them in hand. I want to be able to look at them because I've had a couple that, you know, add in extra payments. I won't say who, but the TV provider likes to add in a couple of extra Dollars. Yeah. And then I always call and I'd be like, what the hell is this? So I like to have the hard copy so then I can kind of manage the bills at the see, top of the month. See, that's fascinating
1: because everything that we do, and I watch you do this when we're doing the show, is you're taking all your notes on your Windows yeah. pad and stuff like that. I, Of course, I you see me. I still deal yeah. with notebooks on that, and yet I'm going through. So I spent some time yesterday just kind of going through and and clearing some things up. So I had a lot more junk that started coming to my personal email that I have with oh, yeah. Charter, right? And uh, so I was cleaning that up. I ended up I had to clear out about two thousand emails and so many more And you could only do it. You could only do it like one twenty at 20, a time. Twenty at a time. Like mm-hmm. oh my gosh, That's click the worst. click click click. But <laughs> I, I took the time to do it. Yeah. And so so I cleaned that out. That was yesterday at six o'clock, right? And I'm already back up to like 15 in there, you know, some of which are, are yeah. junk. So like it's just a fifteen, better than 2,000, right? Well, you get there, but it's amazing how, how you have to stay up on it. mom, right, is, sorry, I, de- I just derailed
0: the show yet again. No, but I'll, I'll follow along with that. My mom is terrible about the fact that she just lets emails pile up, and her phone has the notifications, like old school iPhone, and her notifications say like 2,500 emails alert or something. Yeah, like yours does. What's it say, 1,200? 1, 1,852. <laughs> That's what hers says. I'm like, Mom, clear some emails out
1: that you not I probably shouldn't admit this on here okay I've cleared out my personal email that's work email. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could dump it. Do you want me to dump yet? No? We're good? That makes sense. That happens. Well, speaking of work emails, uh, I'm sure everybody's kind of getting work emails right now in the NHL of uh, finding out when things are going to start coming back into play. And we talked about it last week, Curves, because, of course, Gary Bettman came out that day before our show on This Week in Hockey talking about that you know they have the 24-format playoff. The regular season is officially done. They're going to have the round-robin format to kind of put those top four teams to go at it and then the hope is to start the playoff format uh, in two separate hub cities which will essentially get you to a Stanley Cup champion and so we've kind of learned some things uh, from that point up until now of you know, they haven't really decided on when Phase 2 or Phase 3 is going to start although they're starting the process of talking to players of getting ready to come back to training camps
1: Okay, so there's a few aspects that people still have to keep in mind when it comes to what's going on here one is you're right they have not even started phase 2 that was right. announced a couple weeks ago already so that phase 2 is just getting guys back into their team facilities and skating in small groups now they cannot do it with coaches on the ice but do not be naive enough to think that they will not be somehow scheduled workouts right having said that you know there are still players that have to get back into town so while that that phase two, depending on the area, could start as early as the first part of next week, I don't anticipate St. Louis or, or a couple others really starting till maybe the second or third week of June, Yeah, just because some guys have to get back in town. Now, if you are a player, you're you're Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames, right now it's still in line where you have a two-week quarantine when you get up there. Mm-hmm. Uh They did. The NHL did say that these athletes have then now been designated as essential workers, and they will, uh, you know, so that that means at least we can get them back in across the border. Correct. So if Sunquist or De La Rose went back home; they can come back. I don't know what Barbashev did, you know, um, as as well. I don't know if he went back to Moscow or not. So they they have to get them back into into town first. So Mm -hmm. that's going to take some time there. Um, then, Then, of course, they have to get things going. Pierre LeBrun reported a couple of days ago. And he's been, Pierre Lebrun has really been, I think, he and Elliot Friedman, the go-to guys. Yeah. uh, That, you know, keep in mind, however phase three, which is the opening of training camp starts, however that happens, there are aspects of that that have not been negotiated yet with Mm -hmm. the PA. So just because the league came out with this announcement of what the plan will be, all that is is what the plan will be. The actual process of how to implement has yet to be discussed and and determined. And so there's there's still a long way to go in that process. So I think we just have to wait and see. And, and part of it is, too, Alex, man, some of this stuff, as you know, coronavirus-wise, pandemic-wise, some of this stuff hasn't changed. Yeah. Yes, the social unrest we have seen in the last few days might have distracted from those issues. But those issues are still very much there, in terms of health. Yeah, that have to be kept in mind here. So, um, again, a lot to get through yet on how that's going to go. Well, and the optimism's there that that we're
0: going to have hockey, and it sounds like we're going to have hockey. At least the NHL is going to do everything that they can to have hockey. But you made a great point there, Kerbs, about the P- the NHLPA really hasn't agreed upon anything right now that's the hurdles that need to overcome and last week on on ribs in bk matthew schneider was a part of the program of course the associate to donald fear on the national hockey league players association side and he talked a little bit about what some of those hurdles are
5: take a listen you know getting guys back into the back into the facilities being able to get on the ice that's the single most important thing uh that we're focused on uh in a safe environment obviously uh, there's going to be an awful lot of testing involved, uh, you know, and uh, guys are going to be tested before they are allowed back into uh, their, their home facilities two or three times a week basis every other day, uh, eventually probably ramping up to every day if and when we can potentially get into, get into the season, training camps, and uh, the bubble cities, so to speak.
0: So that's Matthew Schneider talking about kind of the hurdles that still remain. And then one of those hurdles that he talked about there was getting the families to be a part of these hub cities, which I know is, is important to a lot of players. Take a listen.
5: Essentially guys, when they start the, their training camps for the world championships, and then uh, they roll into exhibition games and they're traveling and they get into the cities where the world championships are held, eventually their families join them towards the end of the tournament and that's kind of where where we settle we haven't had an agreement on that we haven't had an we don't have agreements on the actual training camps which would be phase 3 and then what it looks like in these bubble cities but conceptually that's what we've been talking about with guys so you know the first two or three rounds guys would be there on their own and then Families will join. Obviously, you have teams being eliminated throughout the process. And
0: if anything curbs, uh, I, I like that idea that Matthew Schneider threw out. And as we wrap things up here, if, if there's anything about hurdles there for hockey players and hockey to return, if families is one of the biggest thing, I really like that idea that Matthew Schneider threw out there.
1: But again, that's all going to still come down to certain safety issues and how you can pull it off. Correct. You know, and so it like like we said going into those cuts, not surprised by that. There's there is a lot to work through. The good news is there still seems to be uh, great willingness to find ways to make sure they have to get it done. They know both sides know that there are going to have to be sacrifices whether some of them are financial or some of them are family.
0: Yeah, well, and that's just it. But the good news is there's conversations and they're healthy conversations, which is all you can ask for in a situation like this. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario. We'll take our final break here on This Week in Hockey. When we come back, the CBA could look a lot different when they go back to the negotiating tables between the NHL and NHLPA. I want to throw a couple things at curves and get his thoughts on that next as we wrap things up here on 101 ESPN Final time here tonight on This Week in Hockey, along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. I'm Alex Ferrario, and I want to get into an article that was on The Athletic, and this has been on my on my list of things to talk about with you, Kerbs, for a couple of weeks, and it's just we haven't had the opportunity to do so. But uh, about two weeks ago, Craig Custins put an article out in The Athletic talking about seven different CBA changes that NHL team executives had discussed, and of course that CBA is up after next season, so those conversations are kind of already being being had between the NHL and the NHLPA. So I want to throw a couple different of, of these scenarios at you, okay. Curbs, and just get your thoughts on them. Uh, first thing that Craig Custins brought up that could look a lot different in CBA uh, are signing bonus limits. Now we and we've seen a lot of signing bonuses, like with the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, even with the St. Louis Blues, with what they did with Braden Shen's extension. Um, but Craig Custins talked about how you know they
1: could turn this around majorly in terms of like a fifty percent max signing bonus. And the reason that they are doing that is that what's happened is because one one of the ways for players to avoid one of the issues was long t- let me let me start this over one of the issues was long term contracts right and then how you spread them out but a player doesn't want to agree to example for a 50 million contract over a 10 year period just to use simple numbers right only to be bought out after year 7 and then lose a majority of that final 15 right. million that they were due right so the the Way to do that is you started to see these massive signing bonuses, whereas, and and they saw it, you saw it with with Shea Weber, you saw it with Mitch Marner, right? Um, These are bonuses where basically it makes it really hard, really, really hard. For teams to sign. So okay, well your salary cap it might only be eight million, but the amount due is actually fifteen million. Yeah. And I think they're trying to, to level the playing field on that a little bit.
0: So with that being said, another one that, that Craig threw out there was flattening the contract annual salary. So basically rather than paying, you know, a front heavy loaded contract to a player and you backload it so when they're older they're not making as much money so you can make some other things work. There to at least the discussion that Craig Customs threw out there is what well, if you you flatten it to where let's say you make 35 million dollars over seven years it's not you get seven million in the first front part of it and then you get back loaded lower
1: it's five million dollars every single season uh yeah i just don't see the players going for that because and because and, of and, what you just spoke well of. and honestly i don't see the owners going for that and one of the reasons you don't see the owners going for that is you have teams in the past like arizona and others that have needed contracts like that to to be able to get to the salary cap floor you know, it's one of the reasons Joe Vitale was traded for Pavel, Datsuk. Pavel Datsuk's contract. Yeah, You know, is that that counted against the cap, but they didn't have a certain—they they didn't pay right. it because of the insurance aspect. That's why Chris Stronger so, ended his career, I believe, as an Arizona as Coyote. As an Arizona Coyote from the Philadelphia Flyers. So, um, I, that would actually—to me, a, a, something like Craig suggested there— is going to hurt clubs immensely because one of the reasons that they started to at least allowing teams to keep some salary is because – you had to find a way to be able to get out of a bad contract, right? You know, a little bit, and it was it was Burke that, that really started to kind of get that ball rolling there, because you had no way then, and a bad contract could kill your franchise for ten years. So yeah, you say, well, don't sign them, and it's not that easy. Sometimes they just go bad, yeah. And 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 so I I, I would think that would be way too punitive of an idea. Well, a great example of that: the contracts just
0: go bad. That David Clarkson contract, which I still remember to this day when he was originally. signed. He was coming off of a phenomenal year. I believe he was with the Columbus Blue Jackets, yep. or if I'm not mistaken. And he would he signed the contract with Toronto. And then look what happened. He had an injury when he was with Columbus that carried over to Toronto, and he was done for. So that's just something that you really right. can't control in that. Uh, another one, and again, this is an article that Craig Custins put out on The Athletic. It's great. Just seven different CBA changes that we could see in this negotiation. Uh, a contract term limit. So rather than a, a team can sign their own player to an eight-year extension, and then another team can sign that player for a seven-year contract if he's a free agent, talking about doing away with that and just leaving it wide open for players? Uh, you
1: know what? I i don't like that idea. I do like the idea that gives the player an incentive to stay where they are at. Yeah. You know, uh, a max contract if you stay could be eight years. And, and I think it gives the team that has already spent a ton of money and in most cases brought you along. I, th- I think it gives them the benefit of doing that. I- I'm-, I'm 100% in favor of keeping that rule. Reforming trade protection clauses. Now,
0: we've lucked out in St. Louis. Doug Armstrong doesn't really hand these out in terms of no trades or no movement clauses. But if you go through, and, and Craig puts an article on here, you know a lot of teams have an awful lot of no trade clauses, meaning that they can be moved, sent down to the AHL, right. but they can't be traded. So what Craig Custins threw out there is that, A player is not eligible for any of those protections until they're 30 years old. And this is one that that kind of caught me like, well, it's a good idea. But when you have younger players that become phenoms like a Connor McDavid, you want to make sure you can tie those no movements or no
1: trade clauses into them early. Well, what you have seen with the salary cap stuff, Alex, is other aspects have become important. So, okay, fine. If I'm going to agree to that number, I want a no movement clause. And no movement clauses are very different than no trade clauses. Yeah. Like you said, a no-trade clause. You could put a guy on waivers. He could go down to the minors. A no-movement clause. You cannot even put the guy down to the minors and, and bury that contract. So I don't believe the Blues have any no-movement no, clauses. Uh, they, they do have different types of no-trade clauses. There's modified where the team could. You got to give me ten teams. Where Patrick Berglund, his mm-hmm. agent, fumbled on that one, right? So um, this, this, now this one is is a real fascinating one. Go look at the. Go look at the Los Angeles Kings and look at how no movement and no trade clauses have hamstrung them with some contracts for older guys, yeah. and it, and it's a bad scenario. Um, I, I could see that. Uh, I have a hard time seeing the Players Association agreeing to it. But I would not be against somehow limiting those, if possible. It's really fascinating if you look at it, too. Uh, so there are four teams in the NHL that have nine
0: total of these contract modifications. The Blues are one of them, but they don't have one no-movement clause. They have five no-trade clause and four modified no-trade clause. Four no-movement clauses for the Arizona Coyotes. Two no-movement clauses for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the team with the most? The Minnesota Wild. And you talk about a team that's kind of stuck right now in neutral, that's the Minnesota Wild.
1: And that's why some general managers have gotten themselves into trouble where, look, if you have one or two guys, if you have one or two guys that control their own destiny, that's one thing. You end up with a whole handful of them, and changing the makeup of your team could be a real problem if you have to do it. So
0: we don't have a lot of time for the rest of these, and if you want to check this article out, again, it's on The Athletic. Craig Custance did a phenomenal job with this, but I want to throw this one because Craig thought this was an intriguing idea, and I do as well. Compensatory draft picks, meaning that owners are trying to find different ways to get comp draft picks and some type of deals with players and trades in certain scenarios so that they can accure more prospects in their system rather than
1: just having a couple of draft picks in the draft. Um no, I don't know. I, I look. The problem is, is we don't see enough later round draft picks getting yeah. making it up to the National Hockey League. Anyway, you see a handful of them that I just don't know what the impact of that truly would be. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know how that would is going to benefit a lot of teams.
0: Do you think it would be beneficial for the NHL? If they short shorten the draft in terms of rounds like the NBA well,
1: they, they it used to be longer I think they shortened it well enough yeah
0: but I mean yeah. the NBA only I think has three rounds in the draft maybe only two rounds in the draft and but, but still you know, not too, success okay
1: but' you're, you're also talking about a roster of 12 guys right 12 13 guys yeah, I guess that's true you know hockey teams are double that yeah you know and then there's no there's no minor league prospects. In 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 the National Basketball mm-hmm. Association, I know you got the D League, but it's not even and and, and made minor league hockey is nowhere near the level of minor league baseball system. You see, minor league baseball wanting to contract teams right. already, so I don't um, I I don't know how that would greatly impact it. I, I do think the one thing. I'd be curious to see if coming out of this current situation and the economics of sports being exactly what it is right now, I'd be real curious if it's some way, shape, or form, each team was given one contract that has a certain amount of exemption towards the salary cap. Meaning like a buyout? uh, You you have a designated guy. And it has to be each year that if you designated that guy's – no, not a buyout. So, like, if you designated – Vladimir Tarasenko now then X percentage of Vladimir Tarasenko's salary from now until the end of the contract uh, does not count against the cap. Oh wow. Okay, but it only works for players you currently have under contract. It mm-hmm. cannot work for players that you sign as a free agent. Um, meaning I, for the rest of the contract the rest a certain the percentage contract. is off each year. Yeah, so if so so you designate a player like an it's a little bit of an adjustment of the Larry Bird rule. Yeah. A little bit. A certain percentage of a certain percentage of Alexander Um, or of of Vladimir Tarasenko's contract because that's the player you designated does not count against the cap but you can't change that from one year to the next you have to follow that through all the way to the end of that contract then you could designate another player but that other player has to be under contract you cannot designate a new Hmm. contract as it I'd be curious to see how that would go I'll tell you what
0: the interesting conversations are going to continue even after they start a season back up in the NHL for the CBA and moving into next season Curbs another great
1: show as always Alex thanks for the great work today man appreciate Definitely.
0: it and a big thank you to Joe Vitale of course being a part of our Curbs vs. Joey segment we'll be back with you next week for an all-new episode of This Week in Hockey and don't forget Curbs has got behind the bench presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors tomorrow night from six to seven o'clock Chris Zimmerman will be a part of that program and then Thursday And Friday night. It's Play Gloria, the final week of Play Gloria, as we bring you Game 5 on Thursday night and Game 7 on Friday night of the Blues and Bruins matchup. For Curbs and Joey, I'm Alex Ferrario. Big thank you to Mike Ryder for his help as well. Have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow here on 101 ESPN.